Denver beats the Lakers, makes this a series. And the Chicago Bulls hire Billy Donovan. Plus another big game tonight in the association. We've got your preview for Celtics Heat Game 4. Let's do this. You are Locked On NBA, your daily NBA podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to the Wednesday edition of Locked On NBA, the daily podcast covering everything you want to know about this league. On Wednesdays, I'm your co-host Jake Madison at Nola Jake on Twitter and the host of the Locked On Pelicans podcast. And I'm John Corrales at Reds Army underscore John on Twitter and I host the Locked On Celtics podcast. So before we get into the Nuggets win, don't forget to subscribe to Locked On NBA wherever you get your podcast daily, breaking down everything you want to know about this league. And it is a lot of fun right now. Good games on the court, drama off the court, free agency, trades, coaching hires. We've got it all covered here at Locked On NBA wherever you get your podcast. All right, John, this was a fun game. Didn't look Oof. like it was going to be fun for, for a little bit with Denver being up by as many as 20 over the Lakers. but a 114-106 win for the Denver Nuggets to make this a 2-1 to series and keep themselves in it. This Nuggets team just, just doesn't want no, to go away. They do not. They're masochists. They only respond to pain. you got to get them down 2-0. you got to get them uh, give up a, what was the run, like 18-2 to at the end of the, at the, end of the uh, fourth quarter there. Um, it, it, until they face adversity, like eh, whatever uh but smack them in the face and they wake up it was a hell of a response uh after a run that looked like they were going to blow a 20 point lead in the fourth really looked like they were going to blow a 20 point lead all of the um momentum was in the favor of the lakers for a stretch what around the like eight minute mark of the fourth quarter yeah and to respond with their own 10-1 run is just amazing it this nuggets team has whether you like them or not whether whatever you want to say about any of their they have earned the respect i think across the league of a team that is going to fight until the very end and you can never ever count them out no matter how much they're down no matter what um it's very very impressive and jamal murray is that cool. dude. he yeah, is he, that, he's that dude, dude. Yeah, he is. I mean, wow. The stones there, come up with those two he, threes at the end. Wow. He, there was Lillard-esque in his game, I think, at the end of this one in the fourth quarter. He, he had been quiet in this one for the first three quarters, for the most part, at least the first half. He looked out of sorts. He wasn't making the right reads, wasn't making good passes. His shot wasn't going. He just did not look like himself. And then, as you mentioned, they get punched in the mouth. And oh, who the hell showed up? The Jamal Murray that we've seen all of the NBA restart and the bubble, and he was awesome. So let's talk about first how the Nuggets almost blew the 20-point lead. And we're going to talk about this in the third segment too when we talk about zone defense because the Lakers switched to one and six straight turnovers for the Denver Nuggets. And LA, who had some trouble scoring in this one at times, well, if you force six straight turnovers and then just only play in transition for this Lakers team, That is a very good way for them to get back in the game. And in the first half, I didn't really like how Rondo played. I didn't really like how he played to start the fourth quarter. But then playoff Rondo showed up. You're familiar with him. I'm familiar with him (laughs) to a degree. And like the defensive intensity that he had for about a two or three minute stretch out there was nuts. 
particularly in that zone defense for the Lakers, and it completely flustered the Denver Nuggets. It's amazing to me how in the bubble especially, high school-type gimmicks like zones, <laughs> like box and one, like all of these things that you would think NBA-level players could recognize right away and handle and destroy, they have been the most disruptive defenses. And I've seen it firsthand because the Celtics are, are currently playing the Miami Heat, and they just came off a seven-game series with Toronto, two of the most zone-heavy teams in the league. Switching to the zone in this game completely confused oh, yeah. the Denver Nuggets. And Rondo was uh, admittedly allowed, I think, to be physical as a defender. Uh, they weren't calling some of the fouls I think that, they could have called on Rondo. That, that whole Lakers to- defense realized it. Like they realized there weren't whistles being blown, and then they just played as physical as I've ever seen them do it in the playoffs here. Yeah. It, it almost felt like one of those, you can't call it every time. I'm going to challenge you to call it yeah. every time. And they didn't. And that, look, NBA games with the officiating have their own kind of vibe. Are they going to let it, they're going to let you play or are they not? And, and they let them play. And that allowed the Lakers to get up in Jokic to, to jump these handoffs. And, and Jokic against these smaller guards in the, in the zone couldn't get his dribble and they just kept picking him clean. You never see uh, two runouts in a row, never mind six in, yeah. in a row. Um, that 18 0 run was fueled by six straight Nuggets turnovers. And it looked like it looked like the entire thing was collapsing. And then LeBron finally turned it on. He did not establish himself early on in this game, particularly in the first half, which I think is part of the reason why the Lakers struggled. And then when they stepped up on defense, could get in transition, just those easy buckets, because the Nuggets defense, transition defense in particular, in the first half was good. And it limited the fast break opportunities. And LA isn't the greatest half-court team. They're probably not even a good half-court team. And it really kind of stymied them a little bit. But then those turnovers got LeBron going, and you could just almost see like, a classic LeBron fourth quarter coming in this one. Mm-hmm. And it looked like the game was going to just be completely flipped. We were, we were getting ready to come in here and talk 3-0 and Lakers based off of yep. that defense and LeBron taking over in the fourth quarter. But then Jamal freaking Murray, man. Here's, here's where the intangibles come in. It's, it's 103-99 Denver and Lakers have the ball. And LeBron kicks it over to Kyle Kuzma, who's all alone, uh, right above the break three. And he catches it, and he upfakes. So pure muscle memory. He, he just he just upfakes, and then he looks around. He's like, oh, oh, okay. I'm wide open. And then he shoots. That's a person who was completely afraid of that shot. He didn't want to take that shot. He didn't. He he wanted no part of that moment. Jamal the Murray second comes he down. took that, you could tell he was going to miss that shot, and he did. <laughs> right, he, exactly. He wanted no part of that moment. Then Jamal Murray comes down and drills a three. He wanted every part of that moment, shooting with confidence versus shooting without the confidence. And I remember in game two, there was a timeout, and you hear in the huddle, you know, people are talking, and, and Vogel is like, hey, you're wearing that jersey, right? have the confidence to take that shot. And that's what should have been in Kuzma's head. He didn't have the confidence to take that shot. The confidence in Jamal Murray is like way off the charts. 
and he had the confidence. And it to should take be high shots. if you're him. He the, totally, the other thing totally. though with, with him wasn't just the scoring, and that's of course going to be needed for the Nuggets. But dude looked like just a playmaker, a shot creator in the fourth yeah. quarter in this one when he took over. He finished with 28 points on the night, 12 assists, like. That it's insane. This is a guy we expect to score maybe 50, but to set up others, make the right read, make the pass when the defense is keen in on you like that. That's how he leads this team to a victory and takes it to yep. an, another level. The pass to Millsap for the dunk yep. was just off a broken play, off a scramble. That was a great, a great read. In fact, he made a, a nice pass to Millsap, got the ball back, and made another nice pass to Millsap. It was two in that possession. Yeah, it was great. His vision was great. And that's we we're seeing Jamal Murray in these playoffs in this bubble ascend. Like it, I can't yeah, imagine fair. I can't imagine it, it, is there another player who has made a bigger leap, a bigger name for himself than Jamal Murray in this bubble? I can't think of one off the top of my head. There might be, but probably not. I think you could probably throw Devin Booker in that, but this is in the playoffs, right. so it's but at another exactly. another right. level. You know, the, the duel that he had with Donovan Mitchell and all of that, beating the, the Clippers. Like, it, Booker Booker was outstanding. This is, in the playoffs, you want to give it a little bit. It's like bonus points. Like, you want to, it feels more impactful. And it is, because it's the freaking playoffs. He was awesome in this one. I want to shout out Jeremy Grant, too. Who I was literally just going to say the exact same go. thing. There we go. It, 26 points from him on the night. He was outstanding. Just energy offensively giving them more than they're expecting from him. Defensively, he was pretty solid, too. Um, Jeremy Grant's going to opt out of his player option, and he's going to probably get paid this offseason. Yeah, and also a shout-out to Monte Morris. Five of seven. Competent yeah. point guard. Just a competent point guard. Like, yeah. I, And that's a really big compliment, actually. Yeah, yeah, and he had a big three down the stretch, a big corner three. I mean, this, is, this, is what, this is what winning basketball is, is you know contributions yeah. from guys off the bench. And then your stars take over, um, and a, a, just a beautiful response from the Denver Nuggets down 2-0. People were counting them out again, um, but you know, again, contributions from guys you might not expect. And how, how could you like Jamal Murray with a time? I mean, I mean uh, I'm sorry, Gary Harris with a timely three in yeah. in the third quarter. Uh, just Denver, aside ready from for that the moment, the like quarter, yeah. It's Aside the best way from to that, put it. that big run, Denver was hitting big, big shots to kind of slow other runs down earlier in that third quarter when it could have gotten out of control, which allowed the Lakers to make an 18-2 run and still not take a lead. So those yeah. third quarter timely threes were really, really important to maintain a 20-point lead. So when the Lakers went off, they still didn't lose their lead and Murray was able to come up big. Yeah, that's good. That's a good way of putting it. On the other side of the Lakers, LeBron James, thirty points, eleven assists, ten rebounds. Like he didn't feel as dominant, though he he looked like he was going to go off. Anthony Davis, twenty-seven points. Worth noting, though, that he didn't get his first rebound until the fourth quarter. I think like How around nine possible? minutes or so left in the game. He finished with two on the night. Like uh, after being the hero and showing how dominant he was in game two on both ends of the court. He had kind of one of those games where, like, you don't you don't feel him in this one at much. Partly when the Lakers did have to play in the half court in the second half, he got into the pick and roll more, and they just kept it really simple. Roll the rim, AD, and, like, do your thing, and he was strong there. But 
he has these games, man. Look, I've seen it for seven years. Where like, how do you only grab two boards in this when they were getting killed in, in on the inside mm-hmm. to start the game too? And uh, the box score numbers look good, twenty-seven points. That's great, but man, yeah. right? Two rebounds, no block shots. You know? uh, it was. It, we were at one point going to have to talk a lot about Dwight Howard, and I'm glad we don't have to. But they needed some more defensive interior presence, <laughs> at least in the first half, to have kept this manageable, and they didn't. But Story was the second half, and that's why we focused on it. But just the Denver Nuggets rising to the occasion, everything we said in this one, is this was a fun game, and I'm excited for this one to be a series now. I'm excited for the next Locked On Nuggets podcast. Yeah, again, we should probably promote everybody here. If you want to know more about this Nuggets team, particularly how they won this game, Anthony Mars is going to cover it over at Locked On Nuggets. They're going to break it all down on the Lakers side of thing with Locked On Lakers, too. It's worth checking these out. Even if that is not your favorite team, you're going to glean some NBA knowledge from the guys who cover this team on a daily basis that you don't get anywhere else. They're daily. They know what they're doing. Make sure you check them out. Coming up here on Locked On NBA, the Bulls have hired their head coach, Billy Donovan. We're going to cover it next, and then give you a preview later in the show of the big game four tonight between the Celtics and Heat. Coming up here in just a moment. Don't forget, subscribe to Locked On NBA wherever you get your podcasts from. The only daily show breaking down every single thing you want to know around the league, and there is always news. So subscribe to Locked On NBA wherever you get your podcasts. All right, so big news of the day, John, is... Billy Donovan going to the Chicago Bulls. He was one of the top guys on the market. I actually would have liked him here in New Orleans. Just like immediate reaction to the hire is got to be good, right? I mean, yeah. I mean, he's a good coach. Obviously, he's he benefited from the CP3 trade and, you know, Shea Gilgis Alexander and, and all the moves that were made. He definitely, uh, his stock definitely rose. I feel like over the past couple of years, like he's obviously always considered a good coach, but when you go into a season where you're you're kind of at the helm of what's supposed to be a rebuild and you have the season that OKC had, that's something that obviously raises everybody's stock. So very highly sought after, not a surprise. Uh, I will say that there are going to be more questions about the minority hiring process and all of that coming out of this. That's just the, the, where the NBA that's is. That's a very good point. Yeah, there's, like, that's where the know, NBA were... is. Who was interviewed? Right. They were interviewing a lot of assistant coaches. Wes Unsell Jr. seemed to be kind of the front runner, especially with the work that he's done with the Denver Nuggets. And all of a sudden, they pivot from going that assistant route to going with the established guy. And again, Donovan's a good coach. I like him a lot. I think he will, you know, I don't know how much he'll succeed with Chicago, but I do think he's a good coach. So I don't really want to kill them on this hire or anything with it, but they kind of pivot seemingly out of nowhere I, I did like a quick look around and there was no rumor linking donovan to the chicago bulls in terms of interview no. or anything like that so i th- i think it does raise that question about people of color and minority hires that you know you kind of shift away from that and like what kind of went on there i think a little bit um so that i do think is like an interesting thing and that's going to come up in all of these hires so uh, it's a very good point to make especially because they went away from going in that direction which i guess from that aspect is a little bit disappointing he's also only the third chicago bulls uh coach hired who has previous head coaching experience in the nba i saw too which i thought was kind of interesting so this is kind of not what they normally would do which i think almost to me signals they're trying to get back in contention a little bit sooner rather than later and maybe like putting pushing your chips in and going for it yeah like so this is one of those things you know just to, to pivot from what i was saying before that 
they're going to, you're going to have probably the similar reaction to when Steve Nash got hired. I totally get it. It makes sense. It's a good hire, but, uh, but it is a good hire because yeah. they have a bunch of talented guys that clearly you weren't getting all of their potentials. You weren't getting them to play cohesively. You weren't getting them to play together on defense, especially these guys are out there. Um, kind of floundering a little bit you want somebody yeah. with a proven track record of getting a team to play cohesively getting them to play as a unit getting them to play hard all the time playing hard for each other like so so donovan has proven that over the course of time that he's able to do that he's worked with superstar players guys who have been historically maybe difficult for coaches and he has gotten good results out of them so Chicago, a team that's in disarray, probably not looking for a coach that's that's going to be making mistakes and learning on the fly. Certainly, I can understand why they would want an established coach. So, yes, definitely Billy Donovan makes sense as a hire to get all of that accomplished. Yeah, you know, like he, all those things you mentioned, he checks all of those boxes. He, he's tactically very good in terms of the X's and O's, I think. He's clearly good at motivating his guys and getting his guys up to play. And we saw how well they did in the bubble here in in the nba so i like it for that reason i like that he's like an adaptable guy too he doesn't have one system that he usually coaches by and is willing to change based on the players he gets and if you look at a guy like larry Markinen, who's had a subpar season this past year compared to a sophomore year the year before because he was completely mismanaged and just used as like a spot-up shooter on the three-point line getting him more involved in the offense, having run an offense that has a guy kind of somewhat similar to him in Danilo Gallinari, maybe. I think it, 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 you look at it from that aspect and like, it, it's exactly what you said. Like, it, it's a shame that it's not a person of color that you probably need to get more of in the NBA, but like, I can't fault them for making this hire. No, right, of course. And, and this will speak to the results of the system. And when you, you hear some of the complaints about why are there not enough minority head coaches it's not that billy donovan's not qualified he certainly is the fact is that billy donovan got into the system was allowed to prove himself to be this guy so when chicago was looking for the established coach billy donovan's the guy with the experience whereas wes unseld is looking for that experience and it's just it's been historically harder for the black coaches to get that experience to prove themselves um, this is a very exclusive club the opportunities are few and far between so certainly Billy Donovan, like you said, adaptable. He comes from a good coaching history himself. He came up under Rick Pitino. He played for Rick Pitino. He's, he's a gritty kid. Like he, he's, he, he was a gritty player. He's got all, everything ticks off all the boxes. It's a great hire, but the hire also highlights the process of black coaches not getting the opportunities to prove that, hey, maybe Wes Ensold can do all of these things that Billy Donovan has done, but he hasn't gotten the opportunity. So that that's, unfortunately, this is the conversation during every coaching hire now. What was the process? And it, and it has to be, yeah. It does, until the process changes so everybody has their equal shot to prove that they have th this chance. But on its face, at the surface, for the Chicago Bulls, this is a very good hire. I think that it's exactly what they need to get. How do you get a guy like Zach Levine, Otto Porter, and Lowry mm -hmm. Markkinen? Like, how do you get those guys to play to their strengths and do what they do well? And how do you mesh all of the things they do well together? 
Yeah, and, and I think Donovan is a guy who can kind of do on it. I'm very high on him for a reason. If if New Orleans had hired him, I would have been thrilled about one, you know, that that move because he's good at all of those things and he's adaptable to all of those things. When I think you see a lot of rigidity sometimes in a system, and he doesn't kind of fit into a box with it all. So I I like this hire for them. I don't necessarily know if it vaults them up in the Eastern Conference standings. There's certainly some talent there, and I think this is now going to be the season which we'll get to on when it'll start here in just a second, that we'll really finally see kind of what that Bulls roster is made of to some degree. Yeah, yeah. Like this is the, the coaching now is no longer an excuse. This mm-hmm. guy's this guy's not only proven, he's proven to work with an owner who has been somewhat, you know, I don't want to say cheap, but reticent to spend money in the past. Yeah. He's worked, he's worked with uh, a general manager who's had to make several moves and he's been fluid with those moves and he's worked well with those moves. He knows and the, and Chicago knows that they have a lot of work to do. This is certainly not going to be a championship roster, maybe not yeah. even a playoff roster, but this is, this is a group that you're going to be able to figure out which of these guys stick around, which of these guys have the skills if used properly to be cornerstones. And which of these guys have the skills to be tradable? And and can you get the most out of these guys, not just to say, hey, play well, to raise their value in a, a potential trade so you can bring in the guys that you are going to have as part of your team that grows into playoff contention? Yeah, no, I think that's a good way to put it. Like, I, I like what you said. Coaching is no longer going to be an excuse for the mess that this team is right now, right? Like, how do you try and evaluate what went on with the Chicago Bulls, Bulls the past season and a half? Like, is Lowry marketing not good? Did he actually take a step back this past season? Or was he just horribly used? And right. I kind of lean towards the latter on that, that he was just horribly used by Boylan, who we all I just actively dislike, including the Chicago Bulls <laughs> players who, who made jokes about it. So, very actively dislike. Yeah, very actively saying those sorts of things. So now this kind of turns them into a make or break. They're not a championship roster. There may be a fringe playoff team if they get to it. And then you can kind of figure out what tweaks you need to make to your roster to try and elevate you a little bit more. So this essentially becomes year zero, year one for the Chicago Bulls, whenever next season's going to be. And... Adam Silver recently spoke about, yeah, John, I see you nodding at my transition there. He's giving me a thumbs up for, for everyone here listening at home. Um, that Adam Silver recently spoke about this, saying next season's not going to start till January 2021, probably at the earliest. And I think, you know, it sounds like maybe Martin Luther King Jr. Day is going to be a day that the season really gets going, which symbolically I think makes a lot of sense too and is usually a pretty big NBA day. This there's a couple of implications for this. One is the NBA wants fans in the stands. That's obvious. That's money. That's revenue. Frankly, we want to be in the stands too. So thank you, NBA, for thinking about us in some capacity. They want to play 82 games, including a full slate of playoffs because of TV money, TV revenue, all of that. This does hurt the Olympics, though. It does. It does. And and that was something that Silver said as well, that they're just going to have to work through it. Not only... Are, is there the potential for the top 15 American players not playing? Uh, there's the potential for what does Greece do without Giannis? You know, what about yep. Luka Doncic? What about Nikola Jokic? And All of you the look at the timeline. Guys. Right. And so if you're looking at late January for the start of the season and late July is the Olympics, well, that's about the end of the regular season-ish. So – what do you do? The, the league is not going to want to stop like hockey for an Olympic break 
because that's right before the playoffs. Are you going to tell the Milwaukee Bucks, yeah, we're going to send Giannis off to to Tokyo and then have him come? No, of course not. You can't do that even remotely. It it just might be the Olympics kind of get screwed on this is kind of my initial thinking, which is going to suck because the players love to go and compete for their country and the pride that comes with it. But I don't know, it's one of those things that everyone's making sacrifices and like that just yeah. the Olympics are going to bring in the money that the NBA playoffs do. And that's what yep. this comes down to probably. It's true. We, and we can say that here in the United States, but it's a big deal for these other guys. It's a big deal for Giannis. It's a big deal for, for Jokic. Those countries are, they take the Olympics quite seriously. Yes. And, and that, that's going to be a lot of pressure. It's going to be a ton of pressure on those guys to play for a country versus play for contract. Yeah, uh, it, it, I'm going to be curious to see how that goes or if maybe somehow they find a way to push things back, maybe with the Olympics or even just basketball potentially too, though I don't know if that really is something that they can potentially do. They're, they, these players are going to be upset. I think it just might be one of those things the NBA is like, sorry, too bad, or, or take a portion out of your contract and we'll let the BRI go down if we play an abbreviated season. So some of these players can go play in the Olympics, but that's not the majority of guys in the league. And it creates one of those divides too, potentially of like top guys versus, you know, middle-class and lower-class tiers of players in the NBA. Yeah, totally. I mean, you're going to let, you're going to make an exception for the top 15 players in the league. And, you know, what about the mid-level guys? What about the the rookies or the, the, the veteran minimum guys? Who have no chance of making the team, don't care necessarily about it and want to get their full contract paid. Sure. Don't want the salary cap to drop because it's going to impact them for years in the future. And people need to think long term about this. Part of this is also, I, I do think they're hoping for a vaccine to get fans in the stands. And I was thinking about this before we hopped on here. Is it, say all of this goes away tomorrow and life's back to normal, is going to, and you could pick anything you could do, is going to an NBA game to either watch it or cover it number one on your list? No, probably not number one, but I'm sure there are plenty of people who, who would want to go. I, I don't mean it in like it should or shouldn't be number one. I'm just genuinely curious. Yeah, I mean, I mean for me, yes, because my job. But, <laughs> yeah, yeah, this I is mean, not like trying to trap you into something or, yeah. or anything no, like, like that. No, like I think, I think going out to live events is, is definitely at or near the top. People are breaking the rules to go to live events yeah. right now, you know, so – yeah, I think if there's an opportunity to go to a sporting event, especially if your team is good, people are going to want to go. People are going to want to go. And and not only that, you're going to have like bargain hunters. If if the Celtics are back and people in Boston who might not normally go, if they say, "Hey, $20 tickets," people are going to go. You know, they they're going to find a way to get people into the building. It's going to be full. Uh the 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 instant that it's allowed, there will be plenty of people. You can find yeah. You can find 20,000 people right now in the midst of COVID that are, or will say, oh, yeah, I'll go anyway. It doesn't matter to me. No, I wouldn't do that, but I would say I wouldn't, going but people to would. A, a basketball game once this all clears up and it's like, okay, we can do things again. Going to a Pelicans home game is got to be in the top three things of like things I want to do more than anything else. The first one, honestly, Ooh. might just be going to a bar and doing shots. Like, I won't lie. <laughs> or, or like Mardi Gras or something like that. Like, I can't imagine what like that day is going to be like. It'll also probably, I, I probably won't remember all of it all that well. But <laughs> I, I was thinking like going to a game has got to be high up on the list. I'm with you. I, I'm you don't know how badly I want to go to New Orleans, but 
Aside I, you from, know how badly I want you to come to New Orleans. Yeah, no kidding, man. That happens. <laughs> it's always a great time, but now we've got like hurricanes rolling through there like bowling balls. And I've had uh, all over so the that's place. why that's why I wasn't on the show last week. We had a storm coming our way. It luckily, missed us but caused a lot of damage on like the Florida Panhandle, Gulf Coast area, and Alabama, Mississippi. But it was like, oh, this is hitting on a Tuesday night, and I don't want to risk losing power and not being able to record. This is like the fourth or fifth one we've had to like kind of keep an eye on. So yeah. Um, I'm looking forward to January when, when hurricane season is over as well for all of this stuff. No kidding. You got a vaccine yeah, we'll, for that too? Yeah, uh, we, we throw parties for it. So, uh, it's at least kind of fun there. Maybe that'll be like the first thing I'll get to do is like a, uh, end of hurricane season party, hopefully. All right. Uh, enough on all of us and what we're going to do after, <laughs> after all of this, uh, coming up here in just a minute though, it's a big game. We, we have game four between the Boston Celtics and Miami. Oh Heat yeah. Run. Is the is the Celtics guys? So we're going to do a preview of that coming here, uh, uh, coming up here just in just a minute on Locked On NBA. Before we do that, though, today's show is brought to you by Built Bar. I can put this very simply, John. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever, and the only thing that's better than Built Bar is actually another Built Bar, the new and improved Built Bar with the new and improved formula. These things are just awesome. I love them. I love them. I bought. I, I'm almost done. I kept talking about. I'm waiting for my new shipment. Now I'm almost done with my new shipment because I take one to the gym with me every day. As soon as I'm done lifting, built bar, plenty of protein, no extra calories. It's perfect. Yeah, the, these things are delicious. And the first time I had one, I honestly thought it was like a candy bar. The consistency is like a candy bar. If you think protein bar, chalky, dry, you got to chug down a bottle of water after you eat one. It doesn't taste all that good. This thing is soft. It's easy to chew. They're also covered in 100% real chocolate. You're not going to even realize this thing's actually good for you. But they are. They're low calorie, low sugar, high in protein, high in fiber. Some have 19 grams of protein and 180 calories. And some have 17 grams of protein and just 130 calories. They're perfect. I eat one every day for lunch as a meal replacement. And if you've bought Built Bars before through Locked On, guess what? With the relaunch of the new formula and everything, they've reset the promo code. So you get to get Built Bars even cheaper again. Plus, they're going to throw in a free cooler with purchase while supplies last. Go to BuiltBar.com, use promo code LOCKEDON, and you're going to get $10 off your next order. Again, that is promo code LOCKEDON for $10 off over at BuiltBar.com. Don't forget to subscribe to Locked On NBA wherever you get your podcast from. Here Monday through Friday for you all. The only daily show really breaking it down to this degree, covering the biggest stories, breaking down the games, previewing the games, getting you set for everything you need. Subscribe to Locked On NBA wherever you get your podcast. And guess what? It's a game day. With your Boston Celtics trying to even the series against the Miami Heat, in general, how are you feeling about this? You know, it's funny. I, I feel like the Celtics have been really good, and I know the guys were talking about it yesterday from a, a Heat perspective, but I think we are both in agreement. The Celtics have looked like the better team for the majority of this series. Yeah. Their letdowns have been so catastrophic that they allowed Miami to come back and steal two of those games. but. They've had leads of 20, 17, and 14 at some point late in each of those games, and they just have let up. And they, I feel like if there's one thing that this layoff, this extra three days of layoff gives them is the opportunity to rest, and I think fatigue has been a factor in some of why they've let up. Yeah, I, so I think that's fair. And, you know, Miami's a different team to play to some degree, too. And that zone defense has definitely thrown Boston through a loop at times. And that's kind of slowed down their offense when they need to just get a few more buckets here or there. Not even a lot of offense, I think. 
just a little bit to maintain that lead and get the win. But in game three, it did seem like Gordon Hayward, and to a degree, Marcus Smart, too, really kind of broke that zone more than we had seen. And with Hayward going to play, you know, about the same amount of minutes, I'm assuming, I think that bodes well for the Celtics in this one. Yeah, I think the addition of Hayward gives the Celtics one more guy that Miami really has to pay attention to. Yeah. Not somebody that they can help off of. Game three, one of the significant stats in game three was zero minutes for Shemi Ojale. I was going to say, instead of giving minutes to him, you're giving them to Gordon Hayward, which, yes, that's a win. That, that's a little bit better to have former all-star <laughs> Gordon Hayward up there. Um, and nine minutes for Brad Wanamaker. So they really rode their starters and their best five, when you include Gordon Hayward, for a majority of, of those minutes. Hayward requires attention, which means if you're guarding him, even if he's in your zone, you're, you're, you have an eye on him. You have, you have to take a step closer to him. Yeah. And in the NBA, one step closer to one guy is the one step the other guy needs to get to the rim. And I think the Celtics did a good job with not just Hayward, but with pulling Bam out of bio away from the hoop and attacking. Uh, if Miami is going to make any single adjustment, it's going to be finding a way to protect the rim better. They gave up 60 points in the paint in game three. That is unacceptable for any team. So, But the Celtics, to their credit, made it a priority to attack at all costs. Well, it was also part of kind of the game plan with what they did with Hayward, which was kind of put him down there on the free throw line and force the defense to actually do things about him. And he can hit shots there with yeah. his jumper. And if you do it, as you mentioned, it sucks Bam out. It opens up lanes for cutters to kind of go through on that zone and attack. And when you've got to keep a little bit more attention on Gordon Hayward, sometimes you don't have the intensity for to the degree that they had maybe in games one and two to go after some of those cutters. And I didn't, I, I thought Boston cut a whole lot more watching that game and were just more aggressive overall. And Hayward kind of opens them up and allows them to be more aggressive. They even put Marcus Smart down there kind of in that spot too. And it worked to some degree, but Hayward's a game changer, I think for him in that location and hitting shots over that defense in the middle of it and forcing that zone to bend a little bit more. Yeah. He's exceptional in the mid range. He shoots like 49 point, five percent so he's right at that percentage where it's efficient enough to take those shots you, you'll he, take that in that situation i think absolutely i think for all of the talk about phasing out the mid-range shot it's it's really phasing out the mid-range shot for inefficient shooters efficient mid-range right. shooters are clutch playoff uh, uh, kevin kevin durant take that shot all you all want same for brandon ingram i'm cool with it anthony davis too for that matter even though he takes fewer of those than he has in the past yeah, and then on top of that, Gordon Hayward, a big reason why he's so effective. He's he's probably the Celtics' best passer along with Marcus Smart, which is why those are the two guys that you send to the middle of the, yep. the zone. But he's Gordon Hayward's also 6'8", 6'9". He's, he's tall enough where even if you throw Bam out of bio at him, they're almost the same size. Watch when, when he switches onto Bam. They're almost the same size. So he can see over the top, especially when they throw the guards on the back of the zone. If Hayward gets in the middle of it and he's looking past Tyler Hero and Goran Dragic, he's going to be able to make passes past those guys for cutters cutting back door. So Hayward in that spot is significant in, in so much of his decision-making, passing, shooting, um, and just sheer physical gifts. He's the perfect guy to throw in the middle of a zone. And and so when they do go zone and he's in the game, that that's... 
watch him on the free throw line and watch how Miami defends so differently when he's at that spot and what they have to do when he's there because it completely changes the makeup of what is going on on the court. And think about it. Like, if I or you, Jake, catch the ball in the middle of the zone, just by virtue of the zone, all eyes are going to turn to whomever catches the ball in the middle of a zone. So now, to be fair, they're not person, looking at me if I catch the ball in the middle of the zone. Well, they're still <laughs> going to look get, at the I ball. Get I get what you're saying. But, but now you replace whomever catches the ball in the middle of the zone with Gordon Hayward. Yeah, okay, I see what you're that, saying. I see you know what, what you're I'm saying. saying. Yeah, so what yeah, I'm saying okay. is the ball getting to the middle draws attention no matter what. The ball getting to the middle with Gordon Hayward is like an oh-my-God moment and it draws so much more attention that he can make the decisions in Boston. That was more a joke about how bad my I was, jumper is. I don't know. I've never seen you no, shoot. It's, so we had a we we did a Pell's media game on their court a couple of years ago, which like I've got a story on there because it was the <laughs> day after a Saints game. I think the game was at uh, our game was at two o'clock, like day or two before after media day. And I'm just sound like a raging alcoholic here, but I was like still either hungover or like drunk at 2 p.m. the next day after a Saints game where the bar we were watching the game at gave out free shots whenever they scored a touchdown, and they had like three or four defensive touchdowns in that game. Uh, and oh so God. it was like it was just a mess. And you just sound so like a New I, Orleans resident, is what you. Yeah, sound. I mean it was more that. So I, I tended to chill on the perimeter and launch really, like really wobbly threes because I didn't really have my balance under me. Um, and we haven't done the media game again, and I wonder if I, I wrecked it. You ruined um, it. So they're not they're not gonna key in on me on the defense on the defensive side of the ball here. They're gonna just leave me open and like dare me to shoot. <laughs> um, even if I'm in that killer spot against the zone, they're like, nah, don't worry about it. I'm not I'm not short. I'm like six one. I got some height, but no, can't 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 do that whatsoever. So for the Miami Heat to try and go up three one, I'm curious your thoughts on this because I I don't think they played horribly in game three. They did not shoot particularly well, in my opinion, particularly on just wide open looks from three. So frankly, if they hit some of those shots, I think that game swings a little bit differently. And sometimes it is as simple as boiling down analysis to it's a make or miss league. I know yeah. that doesn't make us sound like we deserve paychecks for this, but sometimes it really <laughs> is, that, is that simple. They've also got to find a way to get Jimmy Butler going yeah. early. He, he is kind of been non-existent in the first half of games i think he's only averaging 5.7 field goals attempted in each first half which is down from his regular season he's taking fewer field goal attempts in the game overall than he was during the regular season and i think that's part of the reason why they're getting down double digits and i'd be curious to see his miami team if they weren't down you know 13 in a game and what they're capable of. And to do that, I think you've just got to get Jimmy Butler going and just feed him the ball and make like force him to be aggressive and not only become aggressive in the fourth quarter and make those winning plays, which to his credit, he's made. Sure. But the, the downside of that is that it takes so many other guys out of the flow of their game. Yeah. And I think when, when Miami's been their best, it's not been Jimmy Butler. It's been Goran Dragic driving, attacking, and lobbing alley-oops to Bam Adebayo. Uh, that's that, fair. That pick, and roll, that pick and roll has just destroyed the Celtics. Bam Adebayo is doing chin-ups on the rim and, and going on these long runs of getting dunks and layups. That's, I think, defensively, the Celtics have to stop that. If Jimmy Butler wants to shoot a ton, frankly, I'm all for it from a Celtics perspective. Because that means... That, yeah, well, that means Duncan Robinson's not getting his shots and he's not getting high. That means Tyler Hero's not getting his shots. That means Goran Dragic is not involved. And when those guys are not involved and Miami gets one-dimensional, then I think they're 
imminently beatable. I think if, if Jimmy Butler goes off and takes nine shots in the first quarter, he better hit like six of them because I think if he misses and the Celtics get on to transition, this is going to get out of control early and Boston will put up like they could be up 30 at halftime. So I would disagree that Jimmy Butler has to get going. I think he certainly has to be more aggressive and maybe you do that by putting him in more pick and rolls and in handoffs with, without a bio, but you still, I, I think you need to make sure that Miami gets into the flow from a Miami perspective. You need Jay Crowder to be hitting shots at Miami level, not, you know, Salt Lake level. You know, he needs, to, you need to get these three point shooters some rhythm uh, or else you can't necessarily count on them later on. And so Jimmy Butler will have 40 points in a loss rather than 14 points in a win. Uh, so I, okay, that's fair. I, you know, I don't think it needs to be like nine shots in the first quarter and, you know, close to 20 shots and a half. Cause yeah, I agree with you that that's going to be disastrous, but if he's taking more than three in a first quarter, maybe, you know, four five, six, something like that, I think looks a little bit better for him and maybe stems some of that bleeding so that they don't need to, expend a ton of that energy I, I always worry about it when a team gets down double digits they start to make a run do they run out of gas by the end now you've got to expend that gas and that energy just to get it level and what's the point of trying to conserve it if you're just going to lose right but I, I always look at that and kind of see a situation where it's like okay if you can just make it easier on yourself as the game goes on and a little bit more Jimmy Butler I think can kind of get him there but I don't know. This was actually kind of fun. I like the X's and O's chat because this thing is like a, is a chess match going into the game. Oh my God. That's that everything it's, you know, so they get to the Celtics get to a point where now they're hiding Kemba on Jay Crowder and Jay Crowder's talking about, um, well, we, we're going to try to attack that. And if they do attack that, then Boston, maybe are they baiting them into that? Because if Jay Crowder wants to be a bigger part of the offense, then by all means, let Jay Crowder be the focal point of the offense because that means all those other guys aren't. So it's it's a it's an interesting back and forth. And the Celtics with Gordon Hayward now have thrown out their best five lineup with Hayward along with Smart, Walker, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum. That's effective in small doses. But if they try that again, Adebayo has the, the, the possibility of going off. I can see him doing fake dribble handoffs as the Celtics try to switch and then getting himself to the rim again. So... The Celtics throw a counter and Miami throws a counter and the Celtics counter to that. And you've got two great coaches in Spolstra and, and, and Stevens that, I mean, it, it, I can't wait to see what they come up with, with next. Yeah, I, I'm sure, you know, we've talked a lot about it and I'm sure there's going to be things that surprise us in the game tonight. So I can't wait. So that's as good of a spot to end it as any. So that's going to do it for your Wednesday edition of Locked On NBA. Don't forget, go to BuiltBar.com. Big thank you to them for sponsoring today's show. BuiltBar.com, use promo code LOCKED ON for $10 off your next order on Wednesdays. I'm your co-host, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter and the host of the Locked On Pelicans podcast. And I'm John Corrales, at Reds Army underscore John on Twitter, and I host the Locked On Celtics podcast. Thank you all for listening. We'll be back with you all next week.